Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Well, good morning. Nice full house. Good to see you all. Amen. Well, uh, if Peter said I'm Dave Fox, and I always like to begin by saying, like I think it was Casting Crowns, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody that saved my soul. And so I count it a privilege to be able to share with you. Uh, we can't dim this right here, can we, guys? Because I don't want to blind everybody, you know? Okay. Well, I want to uh, first say thank you to the staff uh, for allowing me to share with you this morning. I count it a great privilege because it's a great responsibility. And uh, I wanted to say uh, that every Sunday that the minister who's worth his salt stands before his congregation, he's prayed and he has fervently desired God to share with him what the people need for that day. And I know that's what our pastoral staff does. And I appreciate it, and, and I pray for them every Sunday. Uh, you can't just go on, Google it, and say, give me a Sunday sermon. It doesn't work that way. Uh, well, sometimes it does, but n- not often. <laughs> so, well, how about this uh, weather, the rain, amen? Rain and the snow. Yeah, that was awesome. I hope the snail darters and the salmon appreciate it. Where are you at, Steve? Thank you. If you didn't get that, you either don't live in the valley, you don't farm or know any farmers who farm, and you've not paid $3.50 for a little tomato. You still don't get it, do you? Cool, clear water going down the river out to the ocean? Oh, okay, never mind. Well, that's the last political reference I'll make today, so... But uh, I, do, I do appreciate uh, what God has given us in the rain. And I do have friends that farm. And I did pay $3 for a tomato day before yesterday. And I said, oh, God, give us rain. Let our farmers grow again. So anyway, it's been quite a year, hasn't it? Two years almost now. Uh, it's been a lot of challenges, a lot of hard, harsh things. And it's been different for all of us. Uh, for some, it's, it's been the isolation, the loneliness, Uh, not being able to get out with friends and family. For others, it's been illness or people, family members or friends who have suffered at the hands of the pandemic. Uh, It's been tough on churches. Uh, It's been tough on everybody. And and if I were, uh, well, I would just not even begin to try to tell you or define for you what's been hard. And the truth of the matter is, is we don't know what's coming in the year to come. Uh, And we know that uh, there's still things that have got to happen or that are going to happen. And my point this morning is simply this. I want us to know where we're going, where I'm going and where I'm going, and where you're going in the year to come. There's things, the end of the year sermon, the last Sunday of the the year is usually when the pastor defines and, and tells you what you needed to know about what's happened and what you need to know about what's coming. I can't do either of those because it's different for all of us. But the one thing I can tell you is what's to come in the year to come and some tools that I want to share with you to enable us to face the new year, a year that we've never been through before. And in this new year, and Peter summed it up wonderfully uh, in his Christmas Eve message, we have hope. Christ came as hope, and we're the Bastille of hope in this church and at South Valley and at Koinonia, and even at the Methodist Church. 
We are the place where people can come and find hope. And we don't have all the answers. But the one thing we do have is hope in our hearts with Jesus Christ. And God will enable us to share that hope. This year has been tough because people are looking and they're in despair. I've made this statement to several people, and that is that uh, it seems like it's never been easier to share my faith than it has been in the last two years. Because people in the world, they want hope. They want answers. They want to know that there's a better way. Let me read something. Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah chapter 10. He said that, Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It's not in a man who walks to direct his own steps. And he was speaking in the context of Israel. Israel had lost their way. And I'm going to talk about Israel and how they were able to face the challenges of life and claim the promise of God. One man wrote this, and it's anonymous. We don't know who wrote it. But he said, there are organizations in this, our world, all trying to do their best to end human woes, to end poverty, to end crime, to help the dysfunctional. Yet nothing seems to be getting better. And that's true. In fact, the opposite is true. It seems to be getting worse. Why? Why can't psychologists and counselors and professionals and even churches succeed in reducing the evils of this world? Could it be because many are looking for the solutions outside of Christ, outside of the God who is the creator of heaven and earth? You see, this world will never get better as long as man continues to trust in their own solutions rather than in God's purpose and in God's provision. And believe it or not, this is accredited, this next statement is accredited to Julius Caesar. From the pauper to the affluent, all mankind has lost their direction. Do you feel that way sometimes? You know, we, we, we run the gamut of the political system from, from hard left to hard right, and we think that the solutions are there. They're not. We look at programs and traditional things that we do, and we say, God, why can't these things change? And they don't, and we get discouraged. What will change is when Christ is put first in a man or a woman's heart, and when they look to him and seek his guidance. And that's not just a spiritual platitude. That's a day-to-day personal experience. You've heard me talk often about the difference between the organization and the organism. We are here today in this building, a, a part of an organization, a group of people who've come together with a common cause, and that's to love God, to love people, and to serve the world. That's the organization. But we're far deeply, or we're more deeply bonded together in Christ as fellow believers. We share the same devotion to the one who saved us. We need to shine the light of hope. Let me share a couple of things uh, in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 12, uh, verse 1 through 7, God promises Abraham. And Abraham uh, uh, is living in Ur of the Chaldees, and God promises that he would make a great nation if he would just get up and get out. Let me read it to you very quickly. It said, the Lord said to Abram, at that time his name was Abram, and and God changed it after he got saved, or he changed his life. (laughs) He said, get up and go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land that I will show you. Now, look at there. He was to leave his family, his friends, and his house. Get up and get out. And he said, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great. 
and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went and did as the Lord had told him. Very simple thing. And some 1,700, 1,800 years later, we find the nation of Israel getting ready to go in to Canaan and collect and establish the promise that God had made to them so much, so many years before. Uh, in Joshua chapter 3, and uh, that is uh, where we'll be reading our text today uh, in just a moment, but uh, Joshua, uh, Israel was preparing to journey into the land of Canaan that God had promised and vowed to give them 1,700 years ago. Unfortunately, they were to face some challenges before they could lay hold and claim the promise. And I'll just give you a teaser. If we want to claim that peace and that promise of God in our lives, we're going to face some challenges. Here's what they faced. Uh, the elements and the physical challenges alone were nothing short of insurmountable for the nation of Israel. There are some who think that there was many as a million people. A million people. Now, there's going to be a slide come up here in just a moment. I want you to take a look, and it'll kind of give you an idea. Can we put that one up? Is it coming? Buffering, buffering. Well, while they're getting that up, think about it. A million, million people, a million people in the wilderness, okay? Now, look at here. Can you see that? That is a Billy Graham crusade in Seoul, Korea, South Korea, in 1972. There are 1.1 million people right there. Now, look at that for a moment. And ask yourself, how? Now, I was going to do an interactive thing here, and Peter thought, eh, maybe not. But the first thing I think when I look up there that I don't see, restrooms. Okay? Now, that was something the Israelites had to deal with. And under Moses' law, they gave specific instructions on how to take care of that. Because if you don't take care of that issue, you're going to have disease uh, uh, you're going to have sickness. You're going to have some real serious problems. And so they had to handle that. Uh, you know what else I don't see up there? Okay, let's say that Billy Graham's there in the blue suit, okay? Let's say that's Joshua. And uh, we're going to read the text in just a moment. But Joshua said, hey, guys, we need to get a message out to everybody. They didn't have a PA. They didn't have email. No messengers. He said, I want you to go to all the tribes and tell them this is what we're going to do. How do you get the message out through all of those people? There were physical challenges and logistical challenges. One that I had to laugh about, we've got a little tent, a little 12 by 12 tent that maybe three or four of us could get into. 1.1 million people, where are you going to put your tent up? <laughs> there was challenges. Archaeological evidence actually gives indications that there was a large nation of people, and of course the ones who are truly searching and trying to find answers uh, say that it was Israel and that they left evidence that they as, were in that land of Canaan. Uh, there were battles to be fought as they went into Canaan, the pagan nations. Joshua sent spies in to spy it out to check out the lay of the land. There were the Jebusites, the Parasites, the Canaanites, and the Ites. They hated Israel. Because Israel stood for the one true living God. 
and they wanted to kill them, to destroy them. Uh, the next slide there kind of indicates and shows that. There were battles to be fought. This is just an artist's perception, but they were serious. Now, I used to go door knocking 100 years ago and, and share Christ with people door to door. The worst thing that ever happened to me is I got a door slammed in my face. Well, there was one time they sicked their dog on me. But I'm the dog whisperer, and so I just reached down, petted him, and loved on him, and that didn't help. It made him mad. But these people, when they found out you were an Israelite, they wanted to kill you. And they made every effort to do that. That's a challenge. Have any of us been in danger of losing our lives for sharing the light of Christ? Not here, but guess what? In Seoul, South Korea, the North Koreans hate Christianity. In China, in the Congo, in places all over the world, and in the Saudi Arabian, Mr. or not Saudi Arabian, but the Middle Eastern countries, countries, there are people who are sharing their faith in danger of their life. It's a challenge, but they know that God has promised that there's a better day coming. They face division amongst themselves many times. Often as uh, they were given instructions, there were people who said, well, maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. Uh, that next slide there. We're having a little trouble with the buffering, so don't worry about it. Uh, but they fought amongst themselves. Joshua said to get up and follow and get out. They said, eh, some said, I don't know, I'm kind of comfortable here. There were all kinds of things to divide them. By the way, we know there were cattle farmers and sheep herders because they had to have both to do what God asked them to do. I don't know how many of you know it, but cattlemen don't really care too much for sheep herders, 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 hoarders, whatever. They don't get along. So think back in your mind to that picture, a million people. Hey, Bazamel, your cattle got into my sheep the other night. Gave them a hard time. I don't like that. Well, your sheep stink. So there was reason for division. We'll talk a little more about divisions within. But more than anything, they faced an enemy. Someone who was real. Someone who wanted them destroyed. Someone who wanted them off, wiped off the face of the earth. And that was Satan. That was Satan. Present and active within each of those challenges was the enemy Satan, whose sole person for, purpose for existing was to destroy God's children and prevent the future birth of Messiah, Jesus Christ, who was going to be born from David's descendants. Time doesn't allow us uh, to, this morning to go into it, but if you go all the way back to Genesis where God promises to redeem fallen mankind, when Adam and Eve thought they knew more or should know as much as God, and Satan fooled them, and they lost everything, God said, I'm so sorry, and it's going to be rough from here on out, but let me tell you, I'm going to send an answer, a solution. And as we get into this next section, I want you to know, things have been rough. And unfortunately, knowing in other countries what's going on, I can't complain too much because there's so many people in the world who are suffering so much more than me not being able to go where I want, buy what I want, or do what I want. But nevertheless, God says, I'm going to send a solution. In order for Israel to overcome their challenges and fulfill God's plan for them as a nation, they had to do three things. Now, the verse that I want to share with here is Joshua chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. By the way, that's an important point. They stopped and were allowed three days for God to work, first of all, for Joshua to get the instructions and the message out, but also for the people to contemplate. And we'll talk about that in a moment. 
But after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving the orders to the people. And this, is, this was the orders. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, now for those of you who may not be familiar, uh, we have a privilege in that we are allowed to feel the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as believers. And we can sense his presence. In the Old Testament, they did not have that privilege. They were given, it was given to the prophets and to a select few people. And so the presence of God was evident in what was called the Ark of the Covenant. And it was a place where there were holy uh, reminders of God, what God had done for the Israelites. And there were two angels or cherubims, and there was what was called the mercy seat. And the Spirit of God dwelt there. Now, prior to that being built, he led them with a pillar of clouds uh, and a light. Uh, but Joshua says, you look at that ark. You watch it. And when it moves, you move. When you see the ark of the covenant, your God, and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. And they hadn't. Uh, they'd been in the wilderness for well over 40 years, and the ones who the ones who refused to trust God and to claim his promises, they stayed in the wilderness, they died in the wilderness, and this was a whole new generation. And without getting ahead of myself, we have lived in a country where quote-unquote religious Christian observances have been, have been a, a norm. They're not that way anymore. Faith in Christ, faith in a living God who wants to be a part of your life every day, that's not the norm anymore in the United States. And by the way, not a pessimist, but I don't think it's coming back. But we have the light of that hope within us, and we can share it, and it's real. It can be noticed, and it can be shared, and it can be embraced. There were three things that Israel had to do if they wanted to see God's plan and purpose for their lives to, to succeed. And that was they were to focus their vision, follow God's leading, and just be faithful. That's all. Three simple things. Uh, he said there, uh, see the ark. Look at the ark. The ark was the presence of God. Focus your attention on that. And then when it begins to move, you move. Follow. And then have confidence. He says, you will know which way to go. Now, 1.1 million people. Obviously, there was a little bit of an accordion effect there, wasn't there? We know from other passages that there were trumpets and sounds that were made when God's uh, priesthood was beginning to march. And so they probably uh, were allowing themselves to focus on the ark and listen and see when the movement occurred. But nevertheless, they focused on what God was going to do. A couple of things here I want to share. Because of a faithful remnant of the Israelites, God's people, God's son was born. Jesus Christ. He lived a sinless life. He died a sacrificial death because of his sinless life for me and for you and for all who would receive it. And he rose again from the grave so that we might once again enjoy eternal life like he has always intended for us to do. Well, as God's people today, as the church, we have a similar task at hand both locally and worldwide, we're facing some of those same challenges that Israel faced. Same things. As he brings us to that promised land of eternal life, to live with him forever in heaven, we face challenges also in this life. We too have famine, we've got disease, we've got poverty, natural disasters, man-made crises, all 
creation is in chaos in our world today. The world has never been this chaotic before. You say, but wait a minute, what about the world wars? There was still a foundational faith that God had a plan, and there were still those who chose to embrace it and those who wanted to destroy it, and the battles ensued, and faith won. But those days are gone. I don't want to be a buzzkill today. Like I said, I don't know what's coming in the year to come, in the year that's ahead of us, but I know one thing. I have to focus on God and look for the answers that God has for us. All of those things that I just mentioned, we need to be a light of hope. In famine, feed the children. Uh, Compassion International, King's Christian Mission, the meals that we, pre- uh, that we prepare and that we serve to our community, that's just our small part to shine in the light of hope. And it also helps us to keep our hope alive. There's nothing that... that that makes you feel better than giving from your heart. You know, we've talked about the end of the year and our finances, and God has blessed us through this pandemic. I guarantee you there's nothing that will thrill your heart and strengthen your faith more than ensuring that you're a part of keeping this ministry going to loving God, loving one another, and serving the community, serving the world. Poverty, man-made crises, I have some pretty strong political opinions, but you know, to look in the face of a non-believer and, and scowl at them and spew hatred and spew distrust, that does nothing to give hope, nothing. We can't do that. Do we have principles? Absolutely. Should we stand on those principles? Absolutely. But the Bible says we're to speak the truth in love. When someone first told me I needed to give my life to Christ, I laughed at him. I don't do drugs. I'm not immoral. Give me my surfboard and a good break. That's all I want. I don't need anything else. Then one day God got a hold of my heart and said, oh, Dave, you need much more. And it was the people who came to me and said, Dave, surfing's great. Enjoying the ocean's great. But there's more to life. And deep down inside, that's what I was wondering about. I'm going to get out of high school. If I go to college, my counselor said that I'd never make it, but I'm going to go just to spite her. Get a job, have a family, raise my kids, retire, and die. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. And Reverend Billy J. Maxey introduced me to the light of Christ. said, there is more, Dave. And though you may have some hardships in life, and we have. My wife, bless her heart, I've moved her 27 times during our marriage. Yeah, who whistled? I didn't get an amen out of her. (laughs) But God has blessed us. God, in the midst of even hardships, financial, physical, separation from our our families, God has blessed us because we're looking to focus on Him. We have divisions in the family of God. Kind of a joke, but uh, Kyle and the pastor, there's a wonderful traditional Christian song called Mary Did You Know. You all know that? There's a few of you who've been in on the argument. Yeah, Mary knew. What do you mean, Mary, did you know? And, and we can go back and forth and say, well, of course she knew, but it was a, a metaphysical blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter. The question is not, Mary, did you know? Mary, what did you do? Okay? Do you see the difference? I'll guarantee you there were times, and the proof is in the pudding, when they were, took Jesus to the temple on his, what was his 12th birthday, 13th birthday, 12th birthday, and they got ready to leave. They thought Jesus was in the pack. And they got halfway out of town and into the wilderness. They discovered Jesus was still back in town. Mary, like any good mother, would go back 
I say, what were you doing? I thought we lost you. Well, Mary, didn't you know I'm the Son of God? He said, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? I guarantee you, when Mary saw Jesus hanging on the cross and she wept, she still trusted God at his word. She still heard his voice that your son is going to be, we are going to be blessed through your son and all nations will be blessed through your son. It doesn't matter. Jesus had long hair, short hair. There are things that we sometimes, traditions that we lift up over truth. The truth of the matter is, it's not as important as what we believe as to what we do with it, as to what we do with it. I believe hell is a reality. I've got a friend who believes it's just one time, annihilation. Big difference. You want to be annihilated? That's not the point. The point is it's a punishment that Jesus gave his life for so that we did not have to suffer it. We face divisions in the Christian church today. I'm so glad when we partner up with our other churches in the area. We're not ecumenical. You're not going to be able to be a Buddhist or a, 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 a Muhammad Islam and go to heaven. Jesus said there's only one way. Now, mind you, my uh, Arabian friends out on the, the base that I worked, I couldn't go up to them saying, you're going to bust hell wide open if you don't change your beliefs. That does nothing. But I said, you know, before Muhammad, before Buddha ever came, there was a promise that was made, and God kept his promise. We also face the challenge of nations and governments that are divided and that have rejected God and therefore hate those who embrace him. America, by some nations, is called the great satanic, the great Satan. And yet, we still have the opportunity to shine hope. I'll never forget about five years ago, uh, maybe longer, uh, there was a couple who came and we had a missions luncheon. And they were missionaries, and I believe it was either to Iran or to Saudi Arabia. I, I, forgive me, I've forgotten which. And I thought, here's a young couple with kids. They were teachers and they were teaching English, but only for the purpose of sharing Christ to a nation that wanted them dead. They could be killed. They could be imprisoned. You want to talk about a challenge? But they laid hold. They focused on God. They followed his direction. And they had confidence in him. And finally, we have an enemy. He's still alive. Satan's in his last days. Uh, I know people have, uh, have said, yeah, I've been hearing that for a long time. Jesus is coming again. I've been hearing that ever since I was a kid. My grandma and grandpa heard it. But James gives us the answer and says when people, or Peter rather, when he says when people cry out, where's the promise of his coming? Scriptures say he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Satan's time is getting short, and he knows it. And he's pitching hard and heavy. As I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk politics here, but one of the things that the pandemic has done, it has isolated us. Thank God for our IT crew and our staff who have been able to put the word of God and the hope of Christ out on the Internet, out on your phones, wherever and however you needed them. We had a group of people that were taking CDs for us old folks that just have the CD. Now, I've got computers, but a lot of us don't. A lot of them people don't. They took CDs of worship and of ministry and of preaching and teaching to people. But isolation, Satan has used that. 
Christianity, if we took a survey today, now Peter, forgive me for this, but it hits me too. Of all of you that are here today, the overwhelming majority of you are here today as a result of a family member or a friend sharing with you, sharing that hope. About 3% are here for the preacher. Maybe even less for the program. It's all about connecting one-on-one, the oikos that Peter talks about. We all have influence. We have something to share. And Satan, he is doing everything he can to isolate us so that we can't share. Shine the light. Here's what uh, I want to wrap up with. Uh, We need to focus our vision, and the question I have for you is, what are you looking for today, or what are you looking at today? Here's what Paul said in Ephesians. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance to his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That's the promise. Man, that's that's a package full right there. He says, I want to know, I want you to know that the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, into every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. Focus on him. When you get up every day, do you look to see, Lord, where are you going to shine with me today? Where are you going to meet me? I asked uh, uh, some people I care dearly about one day, I said, do you, do you see God in your life day to day? Do you sense his presence? And I asked that question only because I was asked that question. And it wasn't that I was a bad person because I didn't. I was honest about it. But you know what? From that point on, I started looking, and I could see God showing up every day. I focused on him, and God bless. Following his direction, what are you following? Are you following CNN? Are you following Fox News? Are you following the philosophical teaching of the quarter? Are you following the popular opinion? Or are you following God and his leadership in your life? The psalmist said this. He said, search me, God, and know my heart. Open my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. It's okay to have doubts. (laughs) It's okay to be anxious. Just don't give in. But tell you right now, I have sat in my living room and with the TV shut off and doing nothing but thinking, oh, God, where is this going? We're losing so much. I grieve for my country. I grieve for family and friends who don't have hope. Where is it going? It's okay to be anxious, but the psalmist says, search me, know my heart, test me, and help me to know. See if there's any offense in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Teach me what's important and what isn't. I retired here last June, and I thought, what am I going to do? I'm going to be making so much less money. How am I going to provide for my family? How am I going to go and do the things I want? How am I, how am I, how am I? And God showed me, and I'll not bore you with the details, None of that was important. What was important is my family, my friends, my church, and shining hope in the, in the community that we live in. That's what's important. And uh, I joke and tell people, I said, we're not going to Europe, but we're not going to eat dog food either, so um, I got that going for me. Focus on him, follow him, and just be faithful. 
Just be faithful. And again, I, I make reference to Mary. I think Mary did know, but I think the question in the song is rhetorical. But what's really important is, Mary, not that did you know, but Mary, what did you do? And Mary lovingly raised the Son of God who lived a perfect life and who because of that perfect sinless life didn't have to die. That's what physical death is. And yet he said, Father, I will die. I'll die for those who are lost. And the, the, the verses in 1 Peter 5, 6 to 9, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Boy, don't lose sight of that in the year to come. Regardless of what happens, cast that anxiety, cast that doubt, cast that fear on him because he cares. And by the way, we're in this together, young and old alike. We're in it together. We stand with one another because we stand for the same Savior, Jesus Christ. Be alert. Be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, plows or prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. There's an enemy there. Don't lose sight of that. Uh, there was a fatal shark attack this last week at uh, Central Coast. And someone was telling me, boy, I'm never going to the ocean again. I said, I will. Because you're foolish? No. Why live a life in fear? I grew up surfing and watching the sharks swim around below me. And, you know, they just had a little mouth, so they couldn't have took a very big bite. But, of course, I don't know where I want that little bite to come out of. But don't live in fear. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. And this is important. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. It's not just American Christianity. It's God's Christianity. It's Jesus Christ who came to save the world, all who would receive. For God so loved the world that he gave. Well, one last thought. In, in verse 10 of that Joshua's instructions, he told the people, consecrate yourselves. And that word consecrate is interesting. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean make yourself holy, but it means set your life apart. Where is your life rooted and grounded in? Is it your family? Is it your job? Is it your hobbies? Is it your possessions? Or is your life rooted and grounded in your faith? And the reason that Joshua told them to do that, and that was three days ahead of time, is they needed to be ready to, without hesitation, follow God, go in the direction he led, and be faithful. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow. And what's the promise? The Lord will do amazing things among you. I was talking with Pastor Peter before uh, here, and, and we'll close with this. God's going to have some amazing things this year. He's done amazing things in the past two years. He really has. I hope you're all aware of that, and I hope you share that with one another. And I hope you share that with some of the people that have been amazing for you. I tell people, it just thrills my soul. See these young couples come in with the munchkins who are running and happy and laughing and enjoying being at God's house. Well, they don't understand the message. So what? They know they're in a place that is safe. They know they're in a place where people love them, where people care for them. That blesses my heart. We've got some amazing things that God hasn't even shown us yet in the year to come. 
Our task is a very simple one. Focus on him, follow him, and be faithful. Now, apart from an open heart commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, that can't happen. I can focus on Jesus, but if I'm getting drug away by the sickness of, of politics in either direction, by the hatred of, 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 of society, by those who have rejected God, I'm not going to be confident. I'm not going to be a possessor of joy, and therefore I'm not going to be able to share that joy. But if I focus on him, if I open my heart to him, good things are going to happen. Joshua said, you're going to see things, and God's going to do things you haven't done before. I can't give you a history lesson, but someone told me, he said, you're going to preach on the Old Testament? What's in there for us? People following God and God doing amazing things, amazing things. And all down through that history up until A.D. 3, roughly, some think B.C. 3, but a little baby was born. And that baby grew and became an amazing influence on history. There has never been historically, religiously, anyone that has influenced this world like Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He's hope. Do you have that hope? Let's pray. As we pray, I'm going to ask two things. For us who are believers, I'm going to ask for us to take this time, not because of me, not because of any message, but because of the Word of God to refocus your vision, to get your eyes set on Jesus Christ, and to say, Lord, where would you have me to go? One of my greatest passions is convincing not only the older but the younger, you have something to offer the kingdom of God. Not for your salvation. God offered that to you. You have something to give in return, and that's your heart and your life. So believers, open once again your heart and focus on him and say, yes, Lord, I'll follow you, and I'll be faithful. For those of you who don't quite know what Christianity is all about, or you're a seeker, you know what it's about, but you've not been able to make that commitment yet, I want you to pray this morning. And say again, the ABCs, God, I admit I'm a sinner and I need a Savior desperately. Lord, I'm not that bad. Or Lord, I've done things that I just don't think you can forgive me for. Understand, that's why he came. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And B, I believe, according to your word, not Dave's, not Peter's, not Jeff's, not Kyle's, but according to your word, you came to forgive me. And I will believe and see I choose to follow you. I open my heart and I give you permission to take control of my life. That's why we call it Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Pray with me. Father, thank you for the joy of Christmas. Father, we enjoy our time with our family and our friends and we, we love to gather around and share presents and give expressions of love and sometimes it's wrapped in a box and sometimes it's just wrapped up in a kitchen in a meal that's served and sitting down and just laughing and enjoying one another's company. God, thank you for that. But thank you even more for the hope that was given in Christ. Lord, we have to make a determination above all other things and that is do we believe what the Bible says is true? Do we believe that literally hundreds of thousands of people from that point till now have given their lives to someone who is real, 
someone who has loved them and someone who has led them. That's not by fable. That's not by fairy tale. Like Peter said, we haven't believed cunningly devised tales or fables, but we were eyewitnesses. Peter said, I was there. I saw him, and I know what he did in my life, and I will give my life, which he did, to share him with others. Lord, even as a believer today of many, many years, I acknowledge, hey, I am a sinner. Lord, I've failed you. There's times when I've let you down and let others down. God, I'm so sorry for that. But I believe that you died lovingly to forgive me of that. And I believe that and I accept that. And Lord, I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. God, we haven't been this way before. Next week, we stepped into a new year. Show us our place. Show us where we need to be. Make us encouragers, make us voices of hope to all that you allow us to come in contact with. And may we see you every day of our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.